Good morning. Welcome. Andy is taking the day off today, and instead, it's a great idea, I think, to, to hear uh, some podcasts. And uh, the podcast is called "Hey, Let's Build It." That's the first one we're going to hear uh, for sure. Uh, and then, but stay tuned, and you can you can check these out. These podcasts uh, can be found on Radio dot com and the Radio dot com app, or anywhere you find your podcast. Let's hear the first one here on CCO. I didn't follow my own advice. We talk all the time. When you can't do something yourself, you call the experts. And I didn't do it. I got up on the ladder, and I had this just insane confidence. And I'm up and down on the ladder. I'm going up and down, up and down, over and over and over again, just confident. And then all of a sudden, I'm, reach, I'm trimming trees, and I'm reaching for that last branch, literally the last branch. And guess what? I, I won't say I fell off the ladder because that's not what happened. The ladder threw me off it. I'd been up about 15 feet. I'm thrown off the ladder, and I get fall on the ground, on the ladder, and I look at my wrist, and it's mangled. It's deformed. It's in different pieces. Hey, let's build it on Radio.com with Corey Heppola and from Linda Andy Lindis. Thank goodness my wife was there. She was able to... Uh, get me to the emergency room as my wrist was in, just in a lot of pain. The thing was, too, it was 95 degrees out, Andy. So my wrist is in. Basically, it was dif- it was um, dislocated and it was broken. And I was just kind of holding on to it. And I was in a lot of pain, but it was it was kind of like more I was an idiot. That was kind of what was going over me. It was like, man, I am an idiot. I should not have done this. And I've ruined the entire weekend. But I knew that I had to get the emergency room. My wife... And, and it was so hot, and she was like, man, you're going to pass out. I almost passed out from the pain and the shock, but she got me to the emergency room, and then I had to take a number, wait for my turn, but I got in there, and I had a broken wrist, and, and I'm healing now. Um, let me ask you, did you feel the pain before you saw the de- deformity, or was it, did you look at your wrist and not feel pain yet, just saw that it was out of whack? That's a good question. I, I remember falling, and somebody asked me, well, okay, did, did it go in slow motion? I'm like, not really. It went pretty quick. I knew, I knew I was on my way down, and I knew that I was going to be in pain. And I got down, and, and thank goodness it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a, a head injury, it could, you know, a number of different things. It was just my left wrist, so it's not even my, the, my you know, power wrist. So, but I knew like I could see that it was like getting thicker right away, like it was swelling up, and I could also see that, okay, that's not supposed to be like that. And uh, I knew right away that it was broken. The way you were describing that, you were getting confidence going up and down the ladder, up and down the ladder. What, what I know is that the majority of accidents that happen in my industry due to falls off of ladders happen under four feet. Why? Because we don't take as much time when we're up that high. It's not as scary. We, we're pretty confident. So those, those types of falls can still result in serious injury. You're lucky to escape with, with just a wrist and, and trimming trees is, is, is something kind of near and dear to my heart. I do it on a regular basis. And um, I don't know if I've ever told you this story before, Corey, but one of, my, one of my first memories is going outside to see if my father wanted a Popsicle. And I came across him lying on the ground. And he told me to go get my mother and have him call 911. The chainsaw was still stuck up in the tree from where he mm-hmm. fell. Um, the doctors actually didn't know if he was going to walk again. Ended up breaking his back in three places and uh, – was in hospital for a few months, but uh, he still has a big old like permanent bruise on his back where that happened, and that's some scary stuff when uh, when when those falls happen. Like you said, 
there's no time to think. It just, it's, it happens. There's no reaction. Well, what is it about ladders and, and us getting up them and feeling like, ah, it's not going to happen to me? Because that's the way I felt, Andy. I felt like, well, look, you know, I'm, I'm 38. I'm, uh, you know, I was into sports. I'm, I'm staying in good shape. I just, I really never thought it would happen to me. Well, um, it, it seems like a simple enough thing. And what we don't take into consideration is the landscaping that we're setting ladders up on. Many ladders I've set up and thought they were sturdy. And I'm getting about halfway up. And one leg of the ladder sinks into the ground a little bit more. Now you're Kitty Wampus, and the younger me would be like, jump on the one side and try to get it to go down and in. But uh, the older I get, the, the it seems the wiser I am. I, that happens to me now. It's a come down, reset up the ladder, and I'm going to think things through. Um, you know, we just uh, we don't do it on a regular basis, and we don't ever think it's going to happen to us, but uh, statistics tell us anywhere from 8 to 10 million emergency room visits a year from falling in and around the home, and, and ladders are a big part of that. And it's, uh, You just need to take our time and, and have the right amount of fear. Of yeah. Well, and you get, up, you, know, you get up on ladders all the time. Have you ever had an, an accident yourself? Oh, yeah. Um, luckily, um, no serious injuries. Uh, the biggest injury I've ever gotten is uh, third-degree burns on my leg from the knee down. Um, what people don't think about a lot is getting up on your roof. A lot of times those shingles or cedar shakes or where the surface may be isn't very stable. Cedar shakes are notoriously slippery, especially if there's moss on them. They can give away at any time. And think of the cartoon where the guy drops uh, the marbles behind him for the person chasing him. That same thing seems to happen on older asphalt roofs. Those granules are, aren't very stable, and they can give way, and that's what happened to me. I was up at the peak, and I slid all the way down. Luckily, I was able to catch myself on a valley and a gutter, and then go all the way down to the ground, but um, still resulted in going to the emergency room, and I thought I was going to have to have a skin graft. It was, it, was, it was bad, and still, I get sunburnt in that area of my body much faster than, than anywhere else. Um, Every year I hear about horror stories, though, whether it's from customers falling off ladders, um, other people in my industry falling off ladders. I was telling you before, I'm, I'm very thankful I've never, knocked on wood, had to have a real serious injury with any of my workers. But, man, we have a full-time safety director. We're talking about this all of the time. Um, we're, we're dealing with a, a, a pretty young group of people getting up and down ladders on a regular basis and sometimes it's their first job so safety training and things of that nature are something we talk about daily yeah moral of the story um we talk all the time about calling the experts mm -hmm. <laughs> call, call the experts that's that's the moral of the story yeah yeah you know um it's ladders if you're not up on them on a regular basis uh should be used sparingly and here's what i always tell people Three points of contact. If you can have three points of contact and make sure that your base is stable, you're usually going to be okay. What that means is two hands, one foot, two feet, one hand. So only one hand is going up, and don't ever go past the second highest rung. That's where bad things happen, and that's where you're the most unstable. Yeah. I, believe me, I've, I've stood on the top of, of way too many stepladders, and it's never once been a good idea. It's always been speed or laziness of setting up the right scaffolding that that uh, gets me in trouble yeah well this is going to cost me way more than it would have to to call an expert um, yeah. but but you know we talked about ladder accidents i know that uh, i'm not the only one 
Also, I know that it's not the only project that seems unassuming that you can get hurt at. Andy, give us your top three DIY projects that can put you at risk without realizing it. Hey, here's what's trending. Um, well, the, the first thing that comes to mind is electrical work. If you're not comfortable around electricity, don't tackle it. No matter what YouTube tells you to do, no matter what you're reading online, um, if you haven't done it before, I would at least get somebody that has involved in that type of project. One, um, you can hurt yourself doing it. Two, if you do it wrong, you might be putting your house at risk. Uh, a bad wiring and electrical is still like three or number four on the list for what causes house fires on a regular basis. A lot of that is due to shoddy work. It's not usually the equipment that's failing that's causing those fires. It's because it was installed wrong or wired wrong or somebody crossed something or there's, there's, there's a litany of things that can go wrong there. And if, if you haven't done it before, don't. And I'm in this industry, and it's pretty rare that I'm doing my own electrical work. You know, basic, you know, switches and outlets and, and fixtures, yes, but wiring things and hooking things up to any type of breaker box, I leave that uh, to people that know a lot more about it than I do. Okay, so that's one. We're talking top three DIY projects that can put you at risk without realizing it. Electrical work, number one. Um, what about chemicals, mixing chemicals? Yeah, you know, um, I remember when I was a kid, I was using a paint remover. And, you know, I bought this old toolbox I was going to put on this pickup truck I had. And I'm in my dad's garage, the door's closed, and I got the, the, the paint thinner going in there, and I'm scraping away. And I stood up, and my dad looked at me, and he said my eyes rolled back in my head, and I, I fell, hit my head. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it wasn't, wasn't bad, but... Next thing I know, I, I wake up, my dad's picking me up, and he wants me to go and, and take a shower. It's not only about what you, what you inhale. That stuff can get on your skin. It can, a lot of bad things can happen from it. So any time you're dealing with any type of chemicals, make sure you're reading the labels. You make sure you have a well-ventilated area. You know, the painted basement floors aren't all that uncommon, unfortunately. And, and the chemicals to remove that paint, to do any other type of work in there, sometimes can can be very harmful to breathe. So if you're not ventilating your space, I would at least do that and read the directions on all chemicals you use. Okay, so electrical work, uh, mixing, and we talked about the senses there. Uh, what about our hearing? Do, you know, is there anything to, to watch out there? Um, for sure. If, um, if, if, if somebody at Linus Construction it's written up for a safety violation. It's almost always hearing protection. And, and what people don't understand is that it's not like, it doesn't seem like it's immediate. It can be. Um, and when you're in an enclosed space and just even running a vacuum cleaner or a sander, or any type of power tool, there's, there's apps on your phone that you can get. That's going to tell you what's a safe hearing, what's, what's not safe. And, if you're running a power tool, you should be wearing hearing protection. And and younger Andy really wishes he would have listened to that advice because over the years of cutting aluminum and running power tools, I have 60% loss of hearing in one ear, 30% loss of hearing in the other ear. So um, hearing aids are going to be in my future when, when I hit my 50s more than likely. And it's just the way it is. And, and if I would have worn the protection, it's not that hard, They're, and it's cheap. It's an easy thing to do to protect yourself. It's just something we don't think about just because we don't run tools every day. Well, and this brings us back to the original point, too, of, of feeling invincible. When you're young, 
you feel like, oh, come on. Like, I'm not going to need hearing aids. I don't need I can hear fine. Uh, same thing with a ladder. I'm young. Doesn't matter. I can get up on the ladder. This is a ladder. But a lot of these things come when you're, and it's hard to convince a 20-year-old or a 22-year-old or a 25-year-old that, hey, um, by the way, that, no, 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 no. We're, we're really here for you. We're trying to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and once they realize that, though, it seems like they, they, they get buy-in. There's, there's things you can do on a job site. And, and one of the things that we've, over the last couple of years, our safety director has tried to explain to our, any type of incoming worker that we have is, just think, you're a 20-year-old kid coming either out of a tech school or even an 18-year-old kid right out of high school. Our brains aren't completely developed there. We aren't exactly, our fear center, our, the, the healthy fear we should have of four stories up isn't quite there. I, I can think back, you know, I, I was running a gutter crew at 21 years old. And I remember I'm four stories up. I put a plank out over the top of a ladder jack. If you don't know what a ladder jack is, it's a, it's a piece of it's aluminum that hooks on a, on, a, on a ladder that you can put an aluminum plank on. And typically, there's two of them, and they're balanced between two ladders. Well, this particular house was, I can only think that the architect decided to design it to make my life as miserable as possible. <laughs> um, but I had to extend this plank 10 feet past that one ladder jack and ask my partner to stand on one side and, and be the counterweight for me to go, again, I'm three and a half stories up over the top there. And, and I, I walked out, no safety harness, no nothing, and, and just never thought anything of it. And I'm sitting there drilling, and the homeowner peeks outside and asks if we're insured. And that's and then kind of a light bulb went off. I looked down, and I'm like, yes, ma'am, we're insured, but I sure hope we don't need it today because no <laughs> right now it's yeah. not going to be pretty. No kidding. I was actually, and it wouldn't have been something I would have done when I was 25, but um, we were power washing the garage and I did put on some headphones, you know, or, or silencers on my ears so that I wouldn't, you know, just take that in all afternoon as we were power washing. And, you know, I was power washing um, a little bit on the siding too, because it's gotten dirty and trying to take care and do that the right way and not do it too much. Um, but it kind of got me thinking about siding. Hey, here's health. Now, our siding's relatively new. Our house was built at the end of 2014, so it's not even six years old yet. But I was wondering about windows, too. As I'm looking at the windows, and we haven't even really washed the windows. Our windows are in good shape. But at what point do you need new windows and new siding? Like, when, when, you know, when would you need these to be updated? Boy, you know, one would hope that... Your setting and windows would last 25 to 35 years on a brand new home. Um, my experience tells me that uh, about 30% of the houses that I work on were built uh, in 2005 or newer. So that tells me that either they want upgrades or sometimes just uh, builder grade materials are used and they just don't last very long. It really is going to depend on, on the type of house that, that it is. But typically... 25 years should be about what the lifespan is on, on new construction siding and windows, depending on the materials used. Okay, so 25 years, but, I mean, you, you've been doing them on 15-year-old houses, too. Um, five years old. Five years old, sure. Yeah. If you're going to replace your siding, is that like – would you do that at the same time as your windows? I mean, would you suggest that? Um, if you're looking at replacing both of them. For sure. And a lot of times when we're doing siding projects, we're asking, we want to ask that question because if they're thinking about replacing the windows a few years down the road or 10 years down the road, or we notice that the windows are 
in disrepair and need to be replaced as well, we're going to have that conversation because a lot of things that you can do with air infiltration and water infiltration when you're doing the siding, 90% of the windows that I install are going to be full frame installation. And that's, that's not very typical um, around the country. Uh, to be honest with you, most windows getting installed are what we call pocket installation. What that means is take your existing frame. So you have your sash. That's the moving operating part of the window. So say like a, a casement window. You have uh, casements or double hungs in your house, Corey? I have no idea. Um, casements, <laughs> are, casements are like the crank. <laughs> I really you don't. Go up and down. Uh, I, yeah, side to side. Side to side. So the, the part that yeah, moves, side to side. remove those sashes. And no, wait. I might have two. I may have them both. Could you have both? Oh, but sometimes there's all like four different. There's awnings, casements, sliders, uh, double hungs. You might have all five types in your because house. Because I'm in the basement when, I, when we do this, and I see side to side here, but I know that upstairs we have up and down. Yeah. So the, the parts that move up and down or side to side, that's the sash. A lot of times they just remove those and then they put a new window inside that old frame. So you're losing like an inch and a half of glass space and you're doing nothing to address your air infiltration or water, water infiltration, what might be the main problem that the windows have in the first place. So I always tell people if you have to choose between the two projects, do the windows first, splurge for the full frame installation. We can do a bigger trim around the siding and then do the siding later if you can if you can wait on the siding. Okay, and I, and I suppose like you know if you this could be like a two or three year plan, right? If you don't want to pay for it all at once, you could do it on a two or three year plan or something. Yeah, I have lots of customers that we we phase their project in, and and today with with interest rates being what they are, and I have like six different banks that we work with, uh, we can usually come up with payment plans to to maybe do the whole project at once and, and let them pay it off in installments as well. So we'll work with customers uh, no matter what, but it's, it's not uncommon that, especially with window jobs, that I'm out there the fifth time putting the last window or door in. Hey, here's a pointer. All right. I, I love hand-me-down tools. I mean, I, I have a vice that's hand-me-down. I have tools from my grandfather that are hand-me-down. I have tools from my grandfather that are in my son's kits that I've sent them off to college with that I, I know they're using and they're going to take care of. The one thing that should never be third-generation use, typically, is a ladder. I've seen some duct tape pieced together, wooden fiberglass broken, uh, old broom handle puts it put in for steps or steps missing in ladders. Um, it's just not a good idea for, for what a good quality ladder costs, anywhere from $250 to $500. It's going to be marketably less than a trip to an emergency room or getting injured in any way and having to miss work and it's just a, it's a smarter move. Old ladders typically don't get the job done. If you should see what we um, cut in half on a regular basis to make sure no one uses anymore, I mean, that's what we have to do. We, we cut them in half to make sure they don't get used and get them, get them thrown away and recycled just because, you know, they wear out over time. It's just not, not smart. Get a new ladder. Take it from me. It is not worth it. Be careful. I've got, I think I've got, screws and metal that will stay in me for the rest of my life in this left wrist. But I, I feel like, you know what, Andy, I feel kind of like a tough guy now. I feel like I belong. Like I needed an injury to like say, yeah, look at this guy. Yeah. You know what? The good news is you're going to be able to tell the weather what's happening a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that metal in my knee seems backed up when the weather. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, new career, meteorologist. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Now let's get back to uh, our uh, Corey didn't didn't get safety this last podcast, and we heard that story. Andy's taking the day off today, but this is something that uh, Corey and Andy have put together. I think uh, you'll enjoy. Uh, this is the next podcast called "Hey Corey Doesn't Get Reality TV." Let's listen. So watching these reality TV shows makes me think this is all going to be easy, and I don't have anything to worry about. Andy, is that is that reality? Uh, yes and no. The, the project that you're talking about on um, the grand scheme of things is a relatively easy project, but it's definitely not going to be cost-free. And I, I, I get exactly where you're coming from. There's There's been lots of times that, you know, my wife will, will watch these things with me and she'll think that we can just go and do some dumpster diving and, and knock on somebody's house and get some old barn wood, maybe some old wrought iron. And next thing you know, we're going to have the Taj Mahal remodeling projects done for $16. And it's just not just not the reality like the, the project you're talking about is 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 probably a project that you can get done for under two thousand dollars but it's definitely going to be two days of of some pretty good labor to make it happen oh and i watch these reality tv shows by the way they're highly produced they look amazing but the, some of the things that always stick out to me are are like the price like the price to me it always seems like really you're getting all that for for that price hey here's a heads up yeah, you know, and I, it became really popular, um, and this is something that customers would bring up to me all the time. When uh, Remember the show Extreme Makeover? I, I think they are still doing it, but it was really popular about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. And and but they were getting volunteers from all over that area. They're getting contractors that were given, uh, hey, you're going to get featured on Extreme Makeover on on uh, nationally broadcast TV, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so guys would really cut their prices. So you'd look at sometimes a $150,000 remodeling project, and they would say the total cost was $22,000. And it's like, it's just not reality when, 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 you, when you sit down with people, and, and that was all done in a week. And mm-hmm. when they get a carpenter or a really good interior modeler out to their house and they, and they say, we can't even start for six months. You can, you can really sense the disappointment in, in some people. It's, it's hard to manage those expectations at times. Well, and you mentioned the timing of it. I know sometimes they, they'll stamp it in the corner and like day 35 or day 65 or whatever it might be, but, <laughs> yeah. but they all ra- they always wrap up in 30 minutes or, or 60 minutes. And that kind of like, I guess it's not, it's not realistic in terms of actually this took months and months of time. Yeah. And, and what you don't see a lot, I mean, there's a couple of really good shows that, that can go into it. I, I, I still go to this old house's website and watch old episodes. Those guys just really get into the bones of the house and, and how it works. And, and I enjoy that. And I, I learn things from those guys. I, I have over my, my career. It's just something I get into and it seems like most of these shows are based on the aesthetics of the home. And for me, it seems like almost every project that I get into, whether it's a big or a small project, I start to find more and more and more. So you tear into a wall and then you find some rotten and you got to figure out where the water came and what's causing that rotten or you got air infiltration that's happening or water infiltration. It's, it's, there's more to it than just putting on paint and, and, and decorating the house to make it look nicer. Yeah, so the structure of the house then can be. It seems like whenever you do a project, there seems like oh, we're peeling back more, and there's there's like maybe an issue with the structure. 
Yeah, or you, you see them just uh, making it look pretty, and you know, and and for me, I'm looking at it like oh, five years from now, that's going to look like heck. Uh, there's no way that's going to last 20 years, and that's that's something I always try to bring to every project is. It's going to be something that we last a lifetime. In the rare instance, it's not. That's well known by the homeowner. This is a Band-Aid because of budgetary constraints or maybe it's a, it's a rental property or whatever the case may be. So they know this isn't a permanent fix. Yeah. And, and and I see that happening a lot where people are, like, are thinking that that's the good way to fix this house and it's just, it's just not. Like, there's 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 things and steps the way that you can take to make your house the most energy efficient it possibly can be, the the healthiest it possibly can be, and it's going to last a very long time. Well, what about materials? Then is is that what you're saying? Like on on these shows, sometimes they use like very basic or, or low level materials. Well, yeah, you know the, the the budgets are there. These these typically aren't contractors that are are looking and and these. How do I put this the right way without offending too many reality TV people? But these aren't people that are looking to build a contracting business. So how long their work lasts isn't probably top of mind. So using cheaper materials, lesser glues, lesser paints, lesser contractors, jack-of-all-trades type people that aren't really specializing in, say, masonry work or some of the other things that they're attacking on the job. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty common. You see one guy do plumbing, electricity, and, and, and everything on a job site, and I'm wondering how they're getting by with codes at times. Yeah. To touch that stuff without having the proper licenses. Well, yeah, I see what you're saying because, like, if you do a project, you do not want to be back at that house within five years or ten years or twenty. You want that to last. Exactly, and, and and there's things that you have to take into consideration on in how the whole house works. It might be just going after one room. But, uh, you know, uh, how mechanicals work and how the house works and operates as a whole needs to be a factor. Um, if you're just a carpenter, you probably shouldn't be messing with the ductwork or the HVAC system uh, or how that vents or, or, or changing the envelope of the actual house without getting some of, that thing, some of those things tested because carbon monoxide should be a real worry. And, you know, again... We, we got to give them a little bit of credit. They got a 30 minute time constraint to show a complete remodel job. There's probably not everything that they can show. And I'm a construction nerd. So maybe this is, that's the more interesting part for me where maybe most people just like to see the pretty stuff, but I want to see the bones of the house, Corey. Yeah. Well, it, it makes sense to me though, too. Like, I mean, it's good TV, right? I watch the visuals. I'm, I'm engaged with it. It also then, but I guess what we're saying is you don't want it to project this false illusion that it's, that it's, Ooh, it's this when, okay, well, look, it's, it, there's a lot more to it. Is there any, is there any show that you do see that you say, you know what? That, that's a really good show. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I seldom don't like this old house. Uh, the guy from Homes on Home, he really seems to get into the problem of the house and, 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 and goes after some things. I know some of it's staged and I know some of it's scripted with the contractors he gets in there, but there, there's some science and there's, there's a why he's doing that remodeling that, that I've liked the, on the opposite side. Like when I watch like House Hunters International and I see what those houses are going for, what they could renovate them for, and I'm like, this is completely staged. It makes no sense. Uh, some of the some of those flip it shows where they're getting uh, old 
crappy house and they're going to try to put 30 days of renovation into it and turn around and flip it and sell it. Yeah, and that works every now and then. But I know way too many people that have gotten into trouble and I've been called on to way too many of those remodeling projects gone bad where people are really suffering both financially, stress. Uh, you know, my I've always told people that if your marriage can survive a remodel, it can <laughs> survive most of anything, let alone you put in two rental properties and you add financial stress to it, that can be really hard on some people. Here's health. We get hail in the summer. Andy, when do I need to go up on that roof, and how do I know if it needs to be repaired or need to be replaced? Well, I I always tell people if you're not comfortable getting up on the roof, if it's not something you do on a regular basis, don't. Um, I've heard way too many way too many horror stories of people actually falling and and hurting themselves trying to do something they don't do on a regular basis. So. I always start with a ground inspection first, and a cheap $20 pair of binoculars can go a long ways. If you can see the different slopes of your roof, you can do a visual inspection and just look for anything loose or anything that looks missing. A a missing shingle usually shows up pretty obvious, or a curling shingle is going to show up pretty obvious. You see signs like that, it's time to get a professional involved. Mm -hmm. Do you have things things that I need to be looking for? That are just like I can see from the ground, you know, because, okay, so I don't want to get up on that roof. But is there something then even more that would tell me exactly what I need to do? Yeah, chunks of shingles that have come out, maybe your gutter. Um, that mm-hmm. a lot of times can tell you that you had damage on your roof. Uh, some shingle granule loss is going to be normal. But uh, a lot of times these hailstorms, if it's not a large enough hail, Corey, what, what, what can happen it's almost like a sandblast effect. It's it's not going to actually put the indentations in your actual roof, but it's going to hit your roof with such force and such so many little pellets that you can actually lose a fair amount of your granules. The granules of your shingle are the part that actually reflects the sunlight and protects the asphalt from cracking and curling, which are the number one and number two things I look for in, in, in telling people this, this roof needs to be replaced. Once your shingles crack and curl, there's not a lot of repairing that you can do. Are there companies that are just, they're adamant trying to like either like replace a roof or, or repair a roof or, or one or the other to take advantage of a situation? Yeah, you know, um, over the last two, three years, Roofing repair divisions are something that when when I go to peer groups and, and, and networking groups or manufacturers meetings, there's always a seminar on roof repairs. One, um, a lot of guys are using it as a profit center. It's uh, where a, a normal roof is going to be in that 20 to 35% margin uh part where roof repairs sometimes can approach 70 to 80 percent margin so they're making a lot more profit on those roofs and there's no warranty that comes with it so essentially when when i look at roof repairs if all we're looking at is a band-aid this is going to fix your roof for another two years I, i'm going to want to be up front with somebody because if it's a three thousand dollar roof repair on a twenty thousand dollar roof now you're going to take that roof, you're going to make it $23,000. In fact, it's probably going to be closer to $26,000 because you're putting the repair off maybe two, three years at mm-hmm. the most, and those prices are going to go up. So I have a hard time not looking at it and going, you know, I'm really costing you $6,000 by telling you I'd repair this if I were you. I try to give people all of that information and let them make their decision and go from there. Yeah, one piece of advice that my dad always 
uh, gave me, especially when I was younger, but he's like, if you're going to do something, just do it right the first time. Because lots of times if you don't do it right or you don't go the extra mile or the extra little bit or pay for the, the extra little bit to do it right, you end up paying double for it. And, and I look at my dad, like he's, you know, incredibly, uh, you know, gifted as a handyman. Like he can do everything as a handyman. And I, I may, I'm able to list, you know, pay him off with a six pack of beer, Andy, but when, so if I have an issue around My the house, exactly. So if I have an issue around the house, I know I can call him, but not everyone has that dad or they, they themselves can't do that. When, when should you call like a handyman or a handyman service? And when should you call a general contractor? Like what would be the split there? For me, it's going to be, am I doing something that's just aesthetic um, or is it more of a cleaning job that I don't want to do? Like a lot of times handyman services are going to offer services like uh, cleaning your windows, cleaning your roof, cleaning your gutters, uh, painting small things. We're, we're talking about one-day projects typically. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that can get expensive with a handyman anywhere from 50 to $150 an hour depending on, on the guy or gal that's, that's doing that work for you. Um, there's some services out there that are piecemeal. It's going to cost you so much per window to get them cleaned, things like that. But when it comes to remodeling, if there's any type of structural or you're, they're going to have to get other professionals involved, like HVAC people, electricians, that's you know what, what, what people don't understand. Just just take uh, well, take the home's exterior, Corey. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm going to renovate your roofing, siding, and windows, that's going to be five different crews just off the top of my head that I'm going to have to coordinate to get there. There's going to be electricians that are going to have to be involved hooking up uh, all of the outdoor lights and anything else that we have to change on the exterior. There's going to be ciders. There's going to be my, my tear-off crew that does all of the, the water infiltration and air infiltration. The roofers are, are going to be different. The gutter guys are going to be different. It's, it's a whole bunch of different crews that you have to do. Now you add interior modeling. We're talking a, a cabinet guy, a countertop guy, a plumber, an electrician, mm-hmm. a flooring guy, uh, a master carpenter, a trim person. You might talk seven different professionals you have to coordinate. Well, if you want to do that on your own and, and, and figure that out, you can. Yeah, it's a lot of work. But I just that's the time to get a general contractor involved usually. So if I'm doing the flooring in, in that storage room that I, that I talked about earlier, if I'm doing mm-hmm. the flooring there – in that room, a lot of that stuff I can probably do on my own or with, with a handyman. Correct. And, and, and not that handyman aren't more capable than do-it-yourselfers, but I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, handymen are, are typically used for jobs that a lot of do-it-yourselfers were used that just don't have time to do it. Yeah. Dad, I got some spotted cow. He'll <laughs> be right over. <laughs> hey, here's a pointer. When, when it comes to home improvement, sometimes it's just not – budgets that make you choose one contractor over the other. Um, what I always tell people, and, and I've had to tell myself this on numerous occasions because deep down I'm just not a very patient person. I, I, I'm, I'm really working on it as, as a person, but I'm not. So it helps me make bad decisions at times out of speed. And I see this happen in the home improvement industry all the time. They choose the guy that or the company that can start in two weeks versus waiting for the quality craftsmen that might take them six months to start, but when they start, they're going to finish, and it's going to be awesome. Anytime that a a storm happens in in any of the markets that I work in, I always run across these stories where they were making fun of their neighbor that they're going to wait three months to get me to do the job, 
and we show up three months later and now they're pissed off because they're still waiting on their contractor to finish or come back and fix something and they can't get a hold of them. Mm -hmm. So don't let timelines scare you into something you wouldn't do without that timeline. Just just be patient and hold on. It's, you're going to be much happier for it. Well, in the long run, the six months, if that's what it would be, doesn't mean a whole lot if you get it done and you get it done right. Exactly. Sometimes that job that can be uh, done in two weeks, you might be dealing with it for the next five years. Yeah. Andy, good stuff. 